Hey everybody, it's your girl Nick. Thank you once again for joining us for the Bow Nose Business. Listen, this is my favorite thing. I do a lot of stuff, but this has become quickly one of my favorite times of day uh, to sit down and connect with one of my Bow sisters. The Bow Collective, you know by now, we are 50 amazing Black women owners who have grown their businesses dramatically to over 1 million each. They're going to share their story with you every week. You're going to get nuggets on how they became who they are, what their influences were, and most importantly, how to scale your business. All right. So this week, you all are in for a treat. I hope you are stringing these pearls together because we are going to have such an amazing necklace as, as this journey ends. Today's pearl is Dr. Gina Merritt, oh, my sister in real estate, my I say my soul sister. And when I say soul, I mean, this woman is fire. She is passion. She is all things. No BS. She might let one slip on you today. She's a cusser, just like me. She's a cusser. But guess what? This is the Bow Collective, so we can do what we want. <laughs> Let's bring Dr. Gina Merritt on stage today. Dr. Gina. Hello, my love. How are you? How are you? We finally get to do this. You are an extraordinarily busy woman. I'm so, so happy to see you. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Nick. Wonderful. So listen, let's get started. I'm here. I know I'm a host, but I am really an audience member because I know by now that the stories that make you all who you are, they're extraordinary and they're so much fun. They're so much fun. They're so inspirational. Um, so I want to hear your story. I want to hear where you grew up. I know, but I want our peeps to know where you grew up. What were your early influences? What were you like as a little kid? That's what I want to know. What did Dr. Gina, little Gina look like? All right, take it away. And tell us, I'm sorry, tell us your business name and then tell us about Little Gina. Yep. My business name is Northern Real Estate Urban Ventures. And Little Gina, um, I think what's unique about where I've wound up in my career um, and trying to tie that back to my childhood is that even as a child, I was a cusser, but but part of it was really that um, I had a lot of responsibility when I was a young person. So my mom passed away when I was 13. My father is an alcoholic and uh, I wound up having to raise my three siblings. And so that really makes you hyper responsible. And so, you know, every day after school, I'd come right home, um, cook dinner, take care of my siblings, make sure they did their homework. I did the laundry, I did the grocery shopping. So I really spent a lot of my childhood sort of managing a household. And I think that's part of what's influenced me to be the boss, right? Because I couldn't help it. I was the boss at 13. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so that's really um, sort of, I think, what, what drives me where, still. Where were you born? Where were you, where were you raised? Yeah, how can I leave that out? I mean, that's part Where's of why I right? the boogie down, the boogie down. Yes, I'm, I'm born and bred in the Bronx, New York. Uh, so lots of people do, though, have to ask me where I'm from. 
But when I get angry, right, and start to cuss, and then people realize. Then they oh, know. Then they know. So, so I, I, I pre, I knew your story. I appreciate your story, and and let me ask you. You know, we probably have stereotypes. You know, I'm from California. We got stereotypes about Cali girls, New York, boogie down. You know, but your influence and in being from New York, what do do you? feel stronger did you did you did those experiences and where you were grown where you know your your adversity if you will do do you do you know that point where you experienced a change sure sure you know in in my um doctoral program we focused on lots of things but one of the things we sort of um uh, thought about is what's called a crucible, like that moment in your life yeah. uh, that had huge impact on you. And so there, there are two of these crucibles that I think about um, a lot, actually. Uh, one is my, my father, but not in the way you might think. Okay. My father said to me uh, when I was probably about 15 years old, he said, you know, the women, the reason why women get divorced um, so often is because they don't stay home and take care of their babies. And I said to my father in response, I said, no, the reason why women, that, that why the divorce rate is so high now is because women can get jobs and don't have to put up with your crap. Okay, I tried not to, to cuss there. But so that really influenced me. I then decided I need to be the boss of my own life. Like I need to be able to take care of myself and my family and not rely on a man. Not that I'm a man hater, because I got a, a fine husband who's a good husband, but, but that's really what sort of drove me to do my own thing. Yes. The second person was Mrs. Brown, who passed. She was my uh, teacher in. She was my English teacher in high school, and I had gotten put out of honors, the honors program. Uh, and really, knowing what I know now, I know it was it was a, a, a an unfortunate thing about my race. Me and Latino people got got pushed out of the program. And so when I was in her class, she was like. You know, I said, I want to get back into the honors program. And she said, well, Gina, this is what you do. You come in, you work hard, you get A's on all these things, and I will recommend you to that program, a, a, a Black uh, woman. Mm -hmm. And so she was really, she mentored me through through that whole year. She, she helped me stay on track. And then I was elevated and did all honors classes. And so both of those things I still think about regularly, about yes. if not for those, for, for that thing that my father said to me. Yes. Yeah. And, and this and this teacher, would I be where I am today? So, yeah, yeah, those were very important influences. I'm asking because I'm I'm just curious because you lost your mom at, at, at a critical point. What was your mother like? That's a good question. I can't even tell you that I know that well. Being 13 and really I grew up in sort of a dysfunctional household. The, the one thing that I or two or three things I remember is that she was very protective of us right, from anything in the environment. So I think I actually did keep that that part of her. Um, but then I also remember my my little brother, the, the youngest one, like that was her baby, right? She did everything to keep him sort of out of harm's way. It was three girls and a little boy, and that was her little baby. Um, but, you know, she was very generous. She was very kind. She was very loving. Uh, those are the things I remember. But, you know, my early childhood was so sort of traumatic that, you know, most of those memories weren't necessarily positive. But those mm -hmm. are the things that it took away. What a what a, a kind soul she was. Well, I know, no, no, that I get to see the soft side of Dr. Gina. And I know that 
her spirit and that kindness definitely uh, lives on through her daughter and her granddaughter. So I, I thank you so much for sharing that. So I do, I wanna move to the next chapter. Thank you, and I'm, I'm so grateful um, for, for you sharing. Now let's, let's take this to like college and early career, right? So I know that you're the, the dopest real estate developer going, but tell me how you got there from a pers per professional perspective. Um, well, that's, that's also interesting. And um, professional perspective, I mean, I went to Howard University, right, undergrad. I wound up working on Wall Street. I went to the Darden Business School. And while, while at Darden realized that I really didn't want to go back to Wall Street and I didn't want to work for a large company, I sort of just didn't want to be a body thrown at a project. And, and also because of the whole bossiness quotient from my childhood, you know, it's something that I knew I needed to pursue something, something bigger. So I wound up. Uh, while I was in business school, um, interviewing with a whole bunch of companies in D.C., I think I knew I didn't want to go back to New York because, you know, New York is New York. And so I thought sometime I'm going to settle down. And so why not try to do that in a place that's not so busy? And so I wound up really throwing my resume at, at everything that it would stick to in D.C. Okay. I interviewed with a whole bunch of folks. I wound up with Clark, uh, Clark construction really was sort of the parent or the, the company with all of the resources. They sort of spun off a real estate group and those guys hired me. They went to Darden and came back to Darden to recruit. But the fascinating thing about this whole circuitous story is that when I was about uh, eight, from the time I was eight till the time I was 15, I had a recurring dream every night about a bulldozer chasing me. Really? Yes. And I didn't know what that was. Sometimes it would grab me. Sometimes That's it wouldn't. Nasty. And I would cry. You know, sometimes I would cry all the time. It was chasing me for years. Wow. Right. Then I went to I went to Howard for MIS and business. Um, and and uh, Darden is a general management MBA. I focused on operations and finance. So when I started this job and I walked up to my first project in Herndon, Virginia, I drove up the first day of work, 12 acre site. What do you think I saw? And I was in my car, boo-hooing, trembling. I'm like, this is what I was supposed to do. Oh. In my opinion, that's divine. This is what I was supposed to do. And I yes, girl. Oh, I love that you never shared. I love the damn bowl podcast. Because nobody talks. We don't have time to talk ever. We're business, business, business. This is, oh, this is such a that's pearl. How I, I never here. knew that. No, it's crazy. That is so dope. That is so <laughs> dope. And you and look, you've been chasing that that thing. You've turned it on its heels, and now you're chasing it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, that is amazing! So you, so you, you bit your teeth, your construction management, your development mm -hmm. um, early on. Fascinating. How did you make that leap? into entrepreneurship. We're going to go into that third chapter and I want you to blend a little bit, Gina, give us, you know, obviously, you know, how you, you started your business and then tell us a couple of like hard knock life stories that you can pull out from our audience. I'm sure we have people not only just looking to, to do and scale their business, but a fair amount that may have some specific interest in construction management development. Tell us some of those early stories. 
Sure. I started my company really um, in my apartment in California, of all places. I was living in California. I had worked for a a uh, development company out there. And then my uh, now ex-husband uh, was at Berkeley and then decided he wasn't interested in, in a job. And so convinced me to start a company. So essentially we had just had a baby. So, I mean, I have, I have photos of me nursing my daughter and on the computer, right? Doing work, trying to start this company. And we focused on community development work. So we worked with a bunch of nonprofits in California. We worked with some consultants that would consult for cities uh, doing sort of urban work, financing, redevelopment projects. So we did a lot of support work for bigger, larger developers as well as consultants. Then relocated back to the to the East Coast because we won the rights to develop a property I still own in Annapolis called the Bates School. And so then I struggled a little bit um, with with um, being an entrepreneur, really, uh, I was really financially supporting myself and my daughter. So I actually had to go and work for a little bit. And I had, I had no worries about that. You know, I didn't have enough ego and, and that was fine. I said, I'm taking care of my baby. That's what's most important. So if I've got to put a pin in the full on entrepreneurship role, then that's what I'll do. I, I did some consulting, but I also had a full-time job. And then fortunately, I, a nonprofit in DC needed a lot of help. They had 10 projects they were working on. And so I sort of relaunched my company uh, in terms of those those 10 projects. And at that time, uh, I was able to do my own work and pull together a really a, a huge amount of experience and really though had a had a tough time. I mean, the most of the clients that that I worked with were were women. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of them were were black women. Mm-hmm. It was very difficult. I hate to say it, to get the support of others um, to help me sort of grow my business or to to mentor me. I was really mostly on my own for the last two decades, but I, I, that's okay. I mean, I feel like it's made me more resilient. And the, and the place I'm at now, I have $300 million of projects in my pipeline where I'm the owner. I spent 20 years consulting for other owners. And so... You know, so that that's been a huge journey, um, but one that I'm proud of, but one that I don't regret. I spent 20 years taking care of my baby, making sure she got out of college because I didn't have a mom to take care of me. So that was my focus. Now that she's graduated, I'm in a place where I can just go full bore in terms of my development work. I can take all the development risk. I have lenders and investors that are willing to invest in me with two decades of experience. I'm really low risk, right, in terms of being a developer. So I've, I've come a long way. And one thing I would say to the ladies out there, you know, I think a lot of us understand being business owners and the sort of reputation that comes along with that, being a black woman in business, right? They will call you the B word all day. And let me tell you, I've heard that. I've heard that for two decades. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that a lot from my male peers. And uh, I'm okay with that. I will be the baddest boss B with my $300 million pipeline. Thank you. Thank you. Snap, snaps. So no, I, I love it. I mean, I, I think again, the resiliency, I always say, you know, if you, if you look at the, these interviews, we do focus on challenges that black women have, mm-hmm. but when you put it in with entrepreneurship as a whole, right? Like, it's 
just in our DNA. If you are an entrepreneur, I don't care if you're black, white or purple. This stuff is hard. <laughs> like there is it's a lot of risk. Hard. There's a lot of things that you control, but there are a lot more things that, you know, you are responding and reacting to things change on a dime. If you had to offer generally, let's talk to that starting entrepreneur, that one that totally gets Gina nursing her daughter, trying to, you know, look at maybe business plans or development plan, whatever. Give her some, a couple of words of motivation and encouragement. Oh, I would say first, don't let anyone break your spirit, right? Don't let anyone take you or distract you from the path that you're on, because that will happen many, many times. Many people have told me, why don't you just go get a job? Just hang up your shingle. I mean, it seems difficult. You're having challenges. Um, don't let them talk you out of it. It is the did most- you ever did, was that one of those uh, voices yours? Did you ever feel that kind of- I would say, yeah, probably not, not to, to begin with because it was very exciting. But yeah, there were times where, you know, like, like during the recession when all development projects stopped. I mean, I was in a ton of trouble, you know, and part of it was that I didn't have a line of credit to, to float my businesses, my business receivables or to tide me over until this, this recession passed. And yeah, there were plenty of times then where I was just like, to hell with this. I'm just going to go get a big fat job and live comfortably. But I wouldn't, you know, um, one of my colleagues said to me a long time ago, and I have I've, I've glommed onto this idea that I am psychologically unemployable. Like you can't, I'm just not, you can't employ me. I mean, I'm just not employable, right? And so, so as many times as I got to that point, like I'm, you're like, like oh, I just like I can't, can't do, do it. it. I gotta you be. Know, I will, I will tell you, I had a, a glimmer, like a flash of that. You know, I would, I dare to say more recently than not. And then I thought about that alternative and I was like, Ooh, girl, you better work harder, Miss Ann, because you ain't going, I haven't worked for my, for anybody in 20 years. Exactly. I wouldn't even, I am psychologically unemployable. God bless you for that. <laughs> so like, get your mind right, girl. Cause you can't, that's not an option. You can't do it. It's not an option. And, and, you know, obviously there's nothing wrong with being an employee, but, but part of it is DNA. Right. And so, especially if you've been doing this for two decades, it's very hard to see yourself any other way. It's true. It's true. So you mentioned line of credit as if I coached you to a segue, but I didn't. But let's seg on way to the Vogue Collective, our little jam, our little jewel, our new little baby. Yes. I want you to tell our audience, number one, tell us what you think about the collective and then give us some specifics about that capital that you're referencing, line of credit and your position sure. and your hopes. You know, I think what's been the most fascinating to me um, and and uh, I guess the, the biggest benefit is to have 50 like-minded black women that are now like your best friends. Like it's very hard also as an entrepreneur to maintain friend friendships, right? Yes, um, yes. That, that is a, a real challenge. Um, and so having 50 black women best friends is like, it's like, it's like been a dream of mine, really. 
so that's just beautiful and powerful. And, you know, when you and I started talking early on about this, you know, I, I you know, from the door, I was in love with the concept. And then to focus on finance and uh, capital and helping women basically stabilize their businesses and grow their businesses and to be selected as a co-chair for that for that work is huge to me and I'm grateful. It is definitely the space I know exceptionally well. I've spent 25 years structuring financing for projects. I understand finance upside down, backwards, forwards, and I'm very passionate about it. In fact, um, many, many people, some of my business partners, my husband, they call me a nerd because I love spreadsheets, right? So so doing this work is really important to me. And, you know, I've been in business, right, for 20 years and just recently, right, got my first real uh, meaningful line of credit, um, seven-figure line of credit, right? Now, that all the banks that I talked to told me that was impossible. And the, I went through sort of a, I went through like a six-month underwriting process with this bank, a Black bank, mm-hmm. who supported me and 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 approved this line of credit, which has Honestly, Nick, I now have 17 employees, right? When when I started on this journey of trying to get a line of credit, I think I had six. Yeah. I mean, that's how powerful, right? Yes. Overnight. So now, now I can manage this $300 million line of business, portfolio yes. of work. I could not yes. do that without it. So my yes. job in life is to help my sisters have access and secure. Secure. Because not access, we that's want right, to right, that's right, that's right. Securing it because all banks want to say, Yes, we'd love you to apply, and then they get re- they reject us. Yeah. And so, we are working hard as a collective to show the power of what we bring to our economy 2.8 billion dollars, right? Uh, since we've been in, se- in inception in terms of all of our companies, 2.8 billion dollars we've contributed to this economy. This year, we will make $368 million collectively. So this is a powerful, powerful thing we are embarking on and we are gonna make a difference for, for ourselves, for our families. We're gonna help create generational wealth for our families. We're gonna to touch all of the families that we employ, over 1,200 individuals we employ as a collective. We're here to stay and we just, we're just gonna keep growing the Bow Collective. After our first year, we're going to bring in as many other black, uh, women-owned businesses as we can. Amen. Amen. Tell them numbers. Tell them numbers. I love it. And you know what? Out of everything you said, you know I'm passionate. I'm deeply passionate about capital. But what you what you first started was literally the heart and soul, which is you do have 50 new BFFs. I do that are on the same page yes um about supporting each other everybody is busy as hell that is to be sure Mm -hmm. and when i pick up the phone people answer and um and we we are really really coming together i think some of us even were just happy to be in that front that first room to be like oh my gosh it was so delicious all of all of these amazing people and so it's something that i have always known but that we are not this these unicorns we, they make us think that we're That's so right. unusual that, oh, this doesn't happen. 
And so we start to believe it ourselves. And part of what I wanted was bring us together. No, we we are together. We are cumulatively bringing all, amassing all of that that revenue, mm-hmm. those the the people that we employ, the communities that we're shaping. Mm-hmm. That's that's the biggest part about bringing us together. Is we need the data. We need to verify that we are not an anomaly that we are out here doing it we just didn't know about each other right and that's going to change that is going to change so i want to thank you i'm bowing to the bow i am bowing to the bow i love love you deeply Tina. i want you to tell our audience how they can stay connected with you and um yeah you have the last word Thanks. You can check me out uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also email me, gmerit at nreuv.com. Holla at your girl. I love it. Thank you so much, sister. Thank you. And that concludes another edition. Do y'all see? Do you see these pearls, these beautiful pearls? We have extraordinary women out there, Black women owners doing amazing things in our community. Thank you so much for joining us. Come back next week. We're going to have another great time. Please follow us, thebowcollective.org. Again, follow Gina, follow all of us. Go to our website and really look at these women just doing great things humbly, but confidently every day. Until next time.